you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Dr. Dean Blumberg is Professor of Medicine and Chief of Pediatric Infectious Disease at UC Davis Children's Hospital. Dr. Blumberg, very good Wednesday to you. Yeah, how are you today, Larry? I'm doing great. Thankfully, staying healthy and well, and and so uh, glad to report that. But of course, I think people's concerns over the Omicron variant are uh, leading them to even reconsider whether they're going to get together for holiday gatherings um, with work colleagues or or with family members coming up in the next three weeks or so. Uh, Your thoughts as to whether we should give those plans a second thought? Well, I've been talking about the exact same thing with my wife about our plans for the holidays. And I think, you know, what we need to do is make plans, you know, act like you're going to move forward, um, but be prepared that if this variant um, results in widespread infections, it could disrupt travel. And so you need to be able to be prepared to adjust your travel plans if necessary. I would be especially concerned about international travel now because of all the travel restrictions. It appears, and I know it's very early, that's always the caveat with Omicron at this point, it appears to be uh, more transmissible than the Delta variant. Uh, do you think, based on what you see, that 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 is highly likely at this point, that it is easier to catch it? You know, we're starting to get some data trickling in, and the early data based on small studies Um, suggests that it may be twice as infectious as the Delta variant. And the Delta variant was about twice as infectious as the Alpha, um, the original strain that occurred. So it's it's really a concern um, with um, Delta being so infectious that if this is twice as infectious, it will result in many more infections. The other question, of course, is to what degree are people getting sick on average. And again, the very early reports that we're getting, it appears in South Africa, for example, hospitalizations are not going up. That serious illness from COVID-19 does not appear at this point to be going up as a result of the rapid spread of Omicron. Do you take solace in that? 
Yeah, the um, South African Medical Research Council had a release earlier this week, and what they found was that they're not seeing an increased rate of hospitalization, that they're not seeing an increased rate of deaths in hospital. And among those who are hospitalized for COVID with presumed Omicron infection, that they're not seeing an increased use of oxygen use. So all that suggests that it's not causing a more severe disease, um, even in an area where the number of infections are increasing exponentially. Now, we have some studies, uh, Pfizer most notably, uh, saying this morning that it appears for those who uh, take a booster of its vaccine that it offers a significant protection against the Omicron variant. Um, For those who've had only two injections of Pfizer, uh, it offers some protection, but nowhere near as much as it did with the Delta variant. So, uh, again, we don't have results yet on Moderna or or from J&J, but your thoughts on what Pfizer indicates and whether that might be um, consistent across the board? Yeah, I think I think it's what we expected. You know, what they reported is that after two doses, there's a 25-fold decrease in viral neutralizing titers against Omicron versus wild-type virus. So that's obviously very concerning. But after the third dose, the neutralizing antibodies versus Omicron seems similar to after two doses um, versus Delta. So, so the, the booster does look like it's going to be necessary to result in that increased protection. And I I fully expect that the Moderna results will be similar because they do result result in similar titers, um, whereas the J&J will likely be a, a bit less after one dose. But people who've had J&J vaccine can get boosted up with one of the mRNA vaccines to get that high level of antibody. If, if these results hold uh, with further examination and more data gathered, does that then argue we don't necessarily need to see a reformulated mRNA vaccine that includes Omicron coverage? Um, possibly. You know, the, the viral neutralizing titers are studies are interesting, but what's even better is to see how it works in real life because we're still not comfortable with um, an antibody level correlating with immunity. So they suggest that maybe the, the vaccine does not need to be updated. We'll have to see what that looks like. Um, if it does result in significantly less protection, if it's, for example, 20% less protection, um, to me, that would be a significant enough that, that I'd like to see um, studies going forward with an updated vaccine. Now, Dr. Blumberg, uh, you were just talking about getting additional protection with an mRNA booster for someone who had had a J&J vaccine earlier. study out of the UK finds that mi- mixing Pfizer or AstraZeneca um, with Moderna with a later shot offers a better immune response. So this would seem to indicate that for people who'd had Pfizer vaccine before, that maybe they should consider a Moderna booster? Yeah, you you can consider a Moderna booster. The the antibody levels after a Moderna booster compared to a Pfizer booster um, all, all are pretty consistent and suggest that you get higher titers after the Moderna booster, but it's not that much higher than Pfizer. So it's clear that the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna, those do result in very high antibody levels, whereas Johnson & Johnson is, is a lower antibody response. And the same with the um, 
uh, AstraZeneca vaccine. That's similar to Johnson & Johnson. Do you think, though, that it makes sense um, to do mixing with your booster, not necessarily to get the same thing that, that you had with your initial doser doses of, of vaccines? Yeah, I think you can consider that it does come at a bit of a cost and that there seems to be more reactions after the Moderna vaccine, the booster compared to Pfizer booster. Um, when I went for my booster, I asked for Moderna, even though I got Pfizer um, for the first two doses. And when I went there, they didn't have Moderna. So I got the Pfizer booster. I mean, it, did, it wasn't that important to me to um, wait for the Moderna booster. It didn't seem like it would result in that much of a different antibody titer. So I'm, I was happy to get any of the mRNA vaccines as a booster. And is, is the Moderna, even with that half-dose booster, showing more side effects? effects on average than a Pfizer booster does? Yeah, it's slightly more side effects compared to the Pfizer booster. Um, but, you know, for, for me, when I was thinking of getting it, I thought, well, that's temporary. I, you know, that'll be worth it for the extra protection. Um, it's similar to people who get the high dose um, influenza vaccine every year. That's that some people prefer for those over 65. I, I recommend it. Um, there's more reactions, but you get better protection. So it's really a temporary um, a temporary payment for that better protection. Julie in Los Angeles, I received Moderna for my first two vaccines. Not sure what to do for the booster. Oh, this is just what we were talking about. So um, I, what I took from your advice, Dr. Blumberg, is take what's available, but uh, feel confident about making a switch. There may be some additional benefit. Yeah, either the either the Pfizer or Moderna would be preferred, and you know, I've generally been not recommending Johnson and Johnson for for women less than fifty years of age, um, because there is increased risk of rare side effects, and there's alternatives that are available. Uh, Scott in Hollywood emailed us. I read that the Omicron variant. Uh, may have picked up uh, some of the common cold virus um, because a COVID-19 virus can be in a host at the same time as a common cold virus. Does that make it more transmissible or more of a threat? Yeah, I saw that report too. And what they found was a snippet of the um, genome from one of the coronaviruses that caused the common cold. So there's four of them, four other strains that caused the common cold. Um, and um, the suggestion um, from this was that it made it possibly more transmissible, but also less severe, um, that it came at a cost to the virus. And so that it may, the, the studies from South Africa showing that it may cause less severe infection, um, that, it, that it was a possible explanation for those results. 866-893-KPECC, or you can email us today, atcomments at kpecc.org. Glaxo claims that its antibody uh, treatment has retained effectiveness against the Omicron variant. Is that to be expected, that these patient, uh, treatments for patients who are sick with, with COVID will still work with this variant? Yeah, you know, all the monoclonal antibodies get such high levels of neutralizing antibodies against the virus that even if it would drop a little bit, um, they would still be expected to protect. So for the Glaxo product, um, what they found with um, Sotrovimab is that the neutralizing decreased by about threefold. And that 
although that sounds a lot since, you know, if your if your salary went up by threefold, you'd, everybody would be like really happy about that. But for the neutralizing antibodies, you know, if it doesn't go down by like 10 or 20, um, 20 10 or 20 fold, um, that's really kind of a minor decrease. And so the threefold decrease is predicted to still provide um, adequate protection and against severe infection or hospitalization. We have listeners want to take advantage of your pediatric expertise, Jesse and Van Eyes. saying, when will boosters for 14 and up be approved? Also, my son uh, will be traveling back from college in December. Should he get boosted before he travels, or is it okay for him to wait until he arrives home and then get his booster? Yeah, so it, it takes about um, a week or two after getting the booster to get that antibody response. And travel is relatively risky, right? Because you're in relatively crowded conditions with a lot of people outside your household. So I think it would be safest um, for travel to get that booster a week or two prior um, to traveling um, and not wait until you get home. And for children, you know, the studies are just being done for giving the booster for children. So we need to wait for that before we get those recommendations. Michael in Montrose, my son is six years old. He's getting his second dose of Pfizer on Friday. With news about the effectiveness of the vaccines against the Omicron variant, are kids in my son's age group still considered fully vaccinated since they can't get boosted? Yeah, right now they would be considered fully vaccinated, but you know we're we're still early in learning about the COVID vaccines, and we're not even sure if those first two doses would count as like the primary series, and that the third dose is an actual boost. You know, a year or five years from now, we may learn that the best initial series is a three dose series. So we just have to do the studies. But we do get very high antibody levels after after that second dose. And so I would expect at least some protection um, following that second dose. Um, Leslie in Pasadena asks, uh, what is it going to um, look like in building natural immunity in children moving forward now that we have masks, vaccines, new protocols? Will kids share germs with one another the way that they used to? Yeah, I think they will. That's not going to change. I think what's going to happen is that going forward, once we get pretty much everybody in the population immune, some sort of level of immunity, either from vaccination or prior infection, I think COVID is going to look a lot like influenza. We're going to have a seasonality to COVID. We're not going to have the summer outbreaks that we currently have had. Um, and then people will have some partial immunity so that if they do get a breakthrough infection, it will be mild and be unlikely to result in hospitalization or death unless somebody's at one of the higher risk groups, such as over 65 or have serious underlying conditions. And for those people, it's going to be very important for them to be up to date with immunization and maybe even to continue to mask. But for children and otherwise healthy young adults, I think it's it's we're going to not have the mask requirements in the near future. We're not going to have vaccine requirements. Um, people who are unvaccinated, they're going to get infected, so they'll have some level of immunity, not the consistent and higher level of immunity that you get from vaccination, but some level of immunity. And that, that'll be our post-pandemic world. 
We have Maria in Topanga Canyon. I heard when the vaccine or booster is being administered uh, that uh, whoever um, the pharmacy tech or the doctor should be sure to aspirate the needle to make sure the vaccine gets into the muscle instead of the bloodstream to avoid side effects. Is that true? You know, that's not a recommendation currently. That used to be a recommendation for all intramuscular um, injections, but injecting into a blood vessel is incredibly, incredibly rare in that circumstance. And I think um, what you're hearing that arises from one theory that suggested that there's more that the rare side effects might occur because it's so rare to inject into a blood vessel. But there's no there's no evidence of that. There's no scientific evidence that that's occurring or that that does correlate with side effects. Josue in Bocoima asked, do we know if the booster's effectiveness degrades over time? I'm worried about having to continue to get shots regularly. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that the boosters, that they will fade over time, that their effectiveness will fade over time. Um, you do get a very high level of antibody response the week or two after the booster. Um, it's so high that it'll likely stay around for, for months. I just don't know how, how many months and if that'll last even a, a year or so, um, maybe longer than a year. I, I, I just don't know. But but it, gener- it will fade over time. And then the question is going to be is, will we need regular boosters every year or will we have enough um, memory response from the other arm of our immune systems, the T cells, the cellular immune response? Will we have enough of that so that if we do get infected, that we have a rapid increase in antibodies in the immune response so that it doesn't result in severe infection, that it's a mild breakthrough infection? Babak in Irvine emailed us, are we all eventually going to get infected with COVID-19 no matter how many boosters we get? Just like seemingly all of us at some point in our lives get the flu. Well, I don't know. I think it's possible that if you get the COVID vaccine, if you get the primary series, if you get the booster, and then if we do have regular boosters at some sort of interval, it's possible that you would never get infected. I get the influenza vaccine every year, um, but that's not a very good vaccine, right? That only protects about 50, 50%. And the breakthrough infections are milder than if you're not vaccinated. And I know that I've gotten breakthrough influenza infections. So I, I think the COVID vaccines protect better. They're better vaccines. They result in higher level of immunity compared to the influenza vaccine. So I'm not sure if everybody's going to get a breakthrough COVID um, infection. Um, whereas with influenza, I think that's that's much more likely. Carol in Santa Monica tweeted at AirTalk, I want to know why I can't get vaccines free of eggs. I'm deathly allergic to eggs. Uh, is there any eggs that's used in the COVID-19 vaccines? No, I'm not aware of that. I'm not aware of any eggs in the COVID-19 vaccines. There are some influenza vaccines. Most of the influenza vaccines are made in egg-based systems, but there are some that are not. Um, And so for influenza vaccines, if you want one that's not made in eggs, um, you should should ask the pharmacist or your physician for that, that brand. Ray in Pasadena emailed us, would you recommend an off-label booster for a 14-year-old with significant health conditions making her vulnerable to COVID-19? 
you know, there's so little that's known with COVID and COVID vaccines that I'm not recommending any kind of off-label use of the COVID vaccines. I would follow the recommendations until we get the actual studies. I think there's some theoretical reasons to think that if you if you boost too often, um, that that may not result in the optimal immune response. So I would wait for those studies to be done and and make sure that people are getting the vaccine on schedule. For those who are at higher risk for um, severe infection, you know, what I would do is then pour, put my energy more into protection. So make sure that um, that the 14-year-old is masking when around other people and people in the household are masking when around other people outside your household so that the, 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 the child does not come in contact with COVID. Margaret in Pasadena emailed us, is there a plan for kids 5 to 11 to get a booster shot after six months? That's certainly being studied. Um, we do expect that boosters will be needed for younger ages. Um, we don't know if it's going to be six months or or maybe a longer interval. Um, children are, you know, the, the young children are generally healthy with robust immune responses. They're at decreased risk for serious infections resulting in hospitalization. And the reason for the boosters is not to prevent the mild breakthrough infections, but is primarily to prevent serious illness that may result in hospitalization. And so we'll see if that's needed after six months or maybe a longer interval for the younger children. Chandra in Fullerton says if you've already had COVID and a full series, one of the mRNA vaccine, is a booster still recommended with the Omicron variant? Yeah, right now the boosters are still recommended even with prior infection and even after receiving the first two doses of the vaccine series. Um, the with with those who who've had prior infection, that does prime the immune system, so you do get even higher antibody levels. But those who have not um, been vaccinated after prior infection are at increased risk for um, reinfection, and certainly with Omicron, um, that's even a, a higher risk and more concern. Bob in Newport Beach says he thinks that there are global studies showing natural immunity is superior to vaccine immunity. Is that true? There are a whole bunch of studies that compare um, immunity after vaccination compared to after infection. The CDC has reviewed all of these studies, and although some of them suggest that immunity is better after natural infection, the vast majority of studies suggest that vaccine-induced immunity um, results in a better and more consistent immune response and provides better infection. You can look for that summary of the CDC interpretation of those studies at one of their science briefs. And um, when you look at that, you can see all the references they go into all the different studies, and they've got almost 100, uh, 100 references that they look at. Dr. Blumberg, always a pleasure. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it so much. Our best to your colleagues at UC Davis School of Medicine and UC Davis Children's Hospital. Thank you very much. Thank you, and stay safe. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle.
This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.